You're listening to the Uncharted Podcast, where we interview Patrick Hudgens and talk about how he's reinvented his career multiple times as he's navigated from being an individual contributor to a sales leader, as well as the former CEO of a bootstrap services company. Enjoy the episode after a quick advertisement by our sponsors. Best thing about a business is as it scales, you start being buried in manual work. At some point, cracks start to emerge. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by or 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all your KPIs. That is key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. That is exactly what I've done time after time for our businesses and when we were scaling at AutoMile. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely for free at netsuite.com scale. That is netsuite.com scale to get your own KPI checklist at netsuite.com scale. I've learned the hard way to only work with the best. For anything related to business accounting, bookkeeping, and finance, the team at Monpack is my go-to. They've absolutely nailed it and taken care of me of the three to four startups I've worked at previously. And anyone that works with them can't endorse them enough. Their SaaS accounting service is sophisticated, scalable, and an amazing value. For me personally, they're trustworthy, high integrity, and just great people. Grab a free consultation with one of their experts at monpack.com. That is M-O-N-T-P-A-C.com. Monpack.com. We have a returning guest, someone I'm really excited to have on the show, Patrick Hudgens. Welcome back to the Uncharted Podcast. Pleasure to be here. Give everybody a little context on who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So my background is in software sales. I've worked for a handful of startups, some that have been little rocket ships that exploded and some that made it into the trajectory, probably the most famous of which is TalkDesk. It was SMB rep there and was promoted to run their first SMB sales team. While at TalkDesk, I met a a few co-founders and we understood a problem, but really didn't understand the the solution that we wanted to go after. The problem was, is that most companies suck at running their revenue technology. Their Salesforce instance, their Gong instance, their outreach, everything, their Zoom info. So we built a service to provide technical administration of go-to-market technologies and bootstrap a business to little over uh, $7 million in revenue and 48 employees. I did that for seven years and now I'm on to what's next. My interesting fact is that I'm currently based in Mexico. I came down here during the pandemic for a little two-year stint, having a blast. I'm on a basketball team down here. I'm the lead singer of a band, taking a small break away from the Bay Area before likely returning. We'd love to have you back, but look, at the same time, enjoy this time. One of the reasons I was excited to have you on the show is I've always been interesting in folks that reinvent their careers or like what they're about to do next, right? You were at TalkDesk. I've heard from multiple people that you absolutely crushed it day to day. You were closing at some point like 10, 12 deals in a week. Then you moved into management, which has its own set of like challenges and uniqueness. And then you moved over to becoming a bootstrap CEO slash founder. When you've had those moments, what's helped you? Just have some patience with yourself. Starting a business or starting anything, you have a strategic advantage, something that you are excellent at that gets you in the door 
to whatever the thing is, whether it's sales or engineering or product management or anything. But if you're successful at that, congratulations, you now have to learn a new skill, learn a new piece of information, whether it's going into management or, you know, in my case, I was a sales leader, but had to move into understanding the financial element of a fairly mid-sized business is going to run from a financial perspective. And that's an education process. For me, getting mentors in those areas that I was weak in and learning in and being excited about those things, have patience with yourself and your learning journey. You bring up something that I'll just add, which is you got to be aware of your personality, right? You're absolutely dead on. It's an amazing advice to be like, hey, be patient. But one thing I've learned is for some people, it becomes naturally. For others, I'm the most impatient person. So one of the things I've learned is I try going for opportunities where like it's a strength to be impatient. You really have to be aware of your strengths, your weaknesses, your personality before you know what, what you need to work on. One of the things I shared with you was something that uh, a gentleman named Andy Mowat, who was the CEO and founder of Gated, shared with me, which is when you're looking for your next opportunity, your next thing, reflect on what you want next. And the more concrete you can be about your must-haves, the better. And go and talk to people in your network and let them know what you're looking for. I've shared this now, and I give again all the credit to Andy, with maybe five or six people And I've literally been five for five or six for six in terms of helping them find a job within like six weeks. So when I shared this with you, you're like, holy cow, this was like really helpful. Talk to me a little bit about why. When you're looking for what's next, the first thing you do is maybe go to LinkedIn and look at the jobs and start thinking about what jobs appeal to you, reading the descriptions. And you apply to those jobs but I've never applied to a job and then gotten that job. Like that's never how I've gotten any job in my career, nor do anyone like most people I know. The answer is it comes through your network. Okay. Well then how do you create structure around going through your network? Um, I think job boards are a great way to understand what you're interested in and not interested in and begin to like coalesce your fit or aptitude for certain roles. But how do you structure meaningful engagement with your network that's not sleazy, that's not kind of overtaxing on the people who care about you and provides them structure? And that conversation, you know, with your network is going to go a little bit like this for the first conversation. Hey, I'm looking for a gig X, Y, and Z. Cool. What should I look out for for you? What types of roles are you interested in? Because if you, you know, call your friend or someone in your network and they're like, I love you. You're awesome. They're only going to provide you with a role if it's like a good fit and it's at their company and in their proximity, which is a small percentage. So how do you create a system that you can update your network on a series of potential opportunities that would be good fits for you? Put them in a position to say, this would work for my internal network, but I do know this other person like three, you know, three departments away or at another company or I'm at a cocktail party and meet somebody And you've now given them a concrete understanding of when they should think about you and why. The only thing I'll expand, because it's been true in my case, as well as a few other people's case, is don't be afraid to go to your customers or your prospects or people you've worked with day to day, right? The last four clients I've had, they were my former customers. They inbounded to me and 
the point of this story being the next time you have an opportunity, whatever has happened in the past, like go above and beyond for the people that pay the bills. My only question for you is what have you found to be successful in aiding them to help you? A specific understanding of the roles that you would be a good fit for. And let's be honest, there are some people who are very specific roles. You know, I am a VP of sales. I am a CRO. This is what I'm looking for, the size of the business. But there might be roles. That's my ideal role. But I also have this other idea that I could do, you know, business development in this sector with these types of companies. And I would love to do that. The other thing you've done recently is just give them advice, right? And I, I think for whoever's listening, I read this in a book that Reed Huffman wrote a, a really long time ago, which is if you feel down or if you don't have confidence, you, you really want to know how you get that confidence, go volunteer your time, go volunteer your advice, go ask people how you can help. Right. And you'll be like, yeah. holy cow, I actually know more than I, I can. So one of the things that Patrick recently do, uh, did, he, he's down in God all are one of the amazing sponsors we have at Plato and someone I've gone to know is, is a company called Density Labs. They're a premium developer shop for companies in, in the US and they have an amazing team. But I connect you with the CEO. You met with him. The conversation came up about challenges he had. And what was remarkable about it is without you having, frankly, no skin in the game, you sent him like a very detailed email like, hey, here's the four or five things I would suggest for your business. One of the best example I can give on this is a lot of people sometimes ask us, hey, Poya, how did you sell so many sponsorships at Saster? You know what I did? I almost always helped people recruit for free. I can literally count every week, every month, I helped connect with people and sometimes it worked and they got the job. But as soon as you do that, like I didn't even have to ask when I went for the sponsorship request. It's so important to pay it forward without having any ask in return. Or you forget, and I forget on a regular basis, like how much knowledge you've accumulated in your given space and you just take it for granted. But then when you talk to somebody who's in an adjacent space, like an engineering manager in this case, or a CEO of a similar company that comes from a different background of you than you all of a sudden, you know, just things that are just easy throwaway ideas for me almost, or for me, they're just obvious things for them is a huge win. I did the same with a, another firm, like another startup. I was, you know, it was a technical, she was having a hard time with sales and just through 30 minutes of talking to her, it became apparent that you have a very in-person sale. This isn't something that I would necessarily recommend you do remotely. And that kind of changed her business and changed her perspective on how she should be spending her time. It's not that she was afraid to go after clients or afraid to be in person. It was just, oh, this is not something that should be sold. Cold email is not going to work on this. I need something a little bit more tactical. The last 30 days I've given up on social media. And one yeah. of the things it's forced me to do is I've been journaling a little more. And it's just remarkable when you take five, 10 minutes each day to reflect on like what your day's gone through, what lessons you've learned. You yeah. you literally interpret like that knowledge, right? Otherwise it's just like, yes, you accrue it, but you can forget it at some point, right? I used to hate journaling. I actually hate writing, but like lately I've like forced myself to do it five, 10 minutes at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. And I can't tell yeah. you how, how nice it's been to kind of reflect on that experience. But the second thing you alluded to is it, before you give advice, you have to have context. I, I think there's a lot of freaking people out there that give amazing, amazing advice, but sometimes I actually think it hurts. Like 
it hurts people on the receiving end because there's no context. Like it can, it, you, we don't know if it's going to apply from one person to the next. This has been fantastic. One of the things we love to ask and conclude every show with Patrick is if you could go back to any time, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself? But I'm going to put a time constraint on this since oh you've been since you've been on the show last time. My biggest piece of advice is around active listening. Sometimes people that you're engaging with on a regular basis are trying to tell you something, but they don't use the words. They don't use the direct phrases. They're telling you something through body language or actions or intentions. And that's just as important as them saying it to do you directly to your relationship. Even though they haven't found the words, doesn't mean you shouldn't be listening. I am so bad at this. I, I, I get so excited to chime in and I'm always like, keep your freaking mouth shut. And the person, frankly, that's been really good making sure I do this is my wife. She's like, I'm still talking. She gives me the look. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, honey, you're, sweetie, you're absolutely right. Let me keep my mouth shut. For whoever is listening to this, please, please, if you care about someone, like you're doing good by, you know, reminding them that you're actively listening because if they're doing it to you, they share are doing it to their colleagues and workers and other people that may not want to speak up. Thanks for the reminder, Patrick. For everybody that's listening, Patrick is probably one of the most approachable people I've ever met. So I will put his LinkedIn in the show notes, reach out to him, connect with him. He's one of the uh, good guys. And until next time, everybody, be safe, be well, and we'll catch you on the next one. This is Poi. I just want to thank you for listening to this week's episode and ask if you could give us a five-star rating on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so your friends know how to find this amazing show. Thank you and catch you on the next episode. I've learned the hard way to only work with the best. For anything related to business accounting, bookkeeping, and finance, the team at Monpack is my go-to. They've absolutely nailed it and taken care of me of the three to four startups I've worked at previously. And anyone that works with them can't endorse them enough. Their SaaS accounting service is sophisticated, scalable, and an amazing value. For me personally, they're trustworthy, high integrity, and just great people. Grab a free consultation with one of their experts at monpack.com. That is M-O-N-T-P-A-C.com. Montpack.com. Best thing about a business is as it scales, you start being buried in manual work. At some point, cracks start to emerge. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by or 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind, so you get a customized solution for all your KPIs. That is key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. That is exactly what I've done time after time for our businesses and when we were scaling at AutoMile. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely for free at netsuite.com slash scale. That is netsuite.com slash scale to get your own KPI checklist at netsuite.com slash scale.